Okay, yes, yeah, so we're here with Kieran Gill, um, the CEO and founder of The Difference. Uh, and she is a long-term friend of Jamie's Farm. In fact, I think we first met in the conservatory here at Hill House Farm when you, uh, when you arrived with a, a great group of kids from King Solomon Academy. Uh, and yes, we've been friends ever since and you've gone on to some amazing things and set up a wonderful charity. And, um, you know, in, in this podcast, we're kind of focusing on, on the great work that you've done and the really um, interesting, innovative theory of change that you've come up with in order to help what's a, a significant national problem, essentially. And I suppose um, we've got a few questions for you, which you've been uh, very... Uh, generous in saying that you'll answer for us and uh, the first one I think is just that question around what made you actually want to set the difference up to begin with oh that's such a uh, tough question because there's so many angles to come at that with Uh, sometimes I start with well I was born in (laughs) no I don't but um, you know in some ways when you when you set something up lots of ideas have been seeding in the back of your mind for forever but actually it was an amazing friend of mine um Emmanuel Akpaninwang uh who runs a charity called the Lighthouse that I was working alongside I'd left teaching um he'd left teaching and I wasn't sure um well I I'd left because I wanted to study policy I wanted to understand how some of the things that made me most frustrated in my in my work as a teacher because I loved being a teacher but there were so many things where I thought oh, why is it set up like that uh we're, we're coming from policy so I left teaching in order to understand policy um but I was working alongside Emmanuel in a totally different um job and he was just in his spare time he said oh yeah I'm setting up this charity and I was like that's amazing you're what you're setting up a charity like now at six o'clock at night while while everyone's gone home in the office and he's like yeah yeah that's why I'm here that's why I'm staying behind um and I got to know him and I got to know a bit about his amazing project Lighthouse um which is a residential children's home and I started to marry that with some of the policy analysis that I've been doing so um when I've been thinking about the things that that frustrated me the most um as well as great opportunities, was that I saw some young people who were really vulnerable in my classrooms and actually in my sister's friendship group because I I was lucky to get to teach um, close to where I grew up in Hackney. Um, And while I was being a secondary school teacher, my sisters were going to secondary school and actually they had quite a difficult start in life because they were adopted. And so the friends that they made were often in the bottom sets. And um, yeah, I, I used to watch them and the challenges that they had in school and see some teachers do so well with them through their relationships um, and through really, really great insight into what they needed. But some teachers really struggle with them. And um, and even while I was training, I can remember training with teachers who were teaching my sisters, uh, saying things about some young people. And I'd know, for instance, that my sister's friend had been in court over the weekend because she'd been attacked um, in her home by by someone that her family had let into her home. And um, really difficult, very horrible things that unless you are part of that person's extended network you wouldn't necessarily know and those teachers didn't know so when they were saying oh that that person's that child's a nightmare or I'm finding them so difficult um they didn't necessarily have that insight um and this is a very circuitous route Jake but but basically imagine that background that context for me and then I was um I was speaking to Emmanuel about his children's home and I started to think about 
uh, well, this is some of the teacher development that teachers need. You know, Emmanuel's working with young people who are have sometimes been in crisis um, and have complex needs. And wouldn't it be amazing if teachers could sort of take some time out of the cut and thrust and the stress of being a teacher to really think about what it means to, to work with some of the most vulnerable young people. And then um, they could take that learning back into mainstream. And I was trying to convince him to change his idea. And we did a pitch together to somebody to give us money. And at the end of it, he said, um, I'm really grateful for your help, Kieran. And uh, that was fun. But I don't want to do that. And I thought, you know what? I do. And I feel it's scary to go and quit my job and set up a charity. But I admire you so much. And if you can do it, then I'm going to try and do it. So I did. And we went our sort of separate ways, but we've remained sister charities. Um, So the Lighthouse is a children's home and uh, does amazing work, is about to open its first residential home. But the difference was born then. Um, That actually is thinking about giving teachers some of the power and the insight that they want in how to work with some of the most vulnerable children through being able to take yourself out of the the cut and thrust of um, mainstream education for two years, but also progress your career. Because uh, another pattern that I saw in policy was that leaders make all the difference. Head teachers, pioneers, um, whether they're in their local authority and challenging what's being done there or um, or are leading their school and saying, hey, we're going to create a totally different culture here. Leaders can just set the agenda and make such a difference between um, specifically schools that might be higher excluding or lower excluding, more inclusive um, and less inclusive. And so the Difference Leaders programme is about marrying those two things, uh, creating leaders with a difference who are able to get expertise in working with complex young people, working multi-agency, understanding mental health and tools that can be really, really effective, but also progressing their careers. So getting to be senior leaders in a pupil referral unit for two years on their, their journey to becoming mainstream senior leaders. And excitingly, our first cohort have graduated last summer and the first um, difference leader is now a head teacher alongside her colleagues who are also in senior leadership teams across uh, across a, a group of schools. So, so yeah, that's how the, the difference was born. You know, a bit of my family experience, a bit of my own teaching experience of, of what I saw worked well. Um, and particularly, you know, saying... I did teach first and I know you did too, Jake, saying this work is the most important and it needs to be high status Um, and realising that we could do that too with children who've been excluded from school and the the teachers who work with them because, gosh, it is the most important and rewarding work in the profession, I think. Um, So all those things mixed together and those are the things that made me set up the difference. Great. That is, you know, I've I've learned a lot there myself. And actually, you probably need to be motivated at all those different levels in order to have that impulse to go away and, and to work your socks off as you have done in creating this thing. And it's fantastic. That it's already um, it's already achieving what it's there to set out to do. And uh, fantastic news that you've got a head teacher already in place, because you're right. You do need leaders who are aware in these ways if it's going to make change across that school. Um, I suppose uh, I'm interested I want you to think about a moment. This is a different question to what I was going to ask. Uh, But think about a moment in a a typical mainstream school day when you think somebody who has had the experience that they would get as part of the Difference programme would react potentially slightly different 
from themselves a few years earlier before they'd undertaken the, the program or from another teacher who hadn't been through it. And, and linked to that, the consequences that might happen for that particular vulnerable student if, you know, in those two kind of parallel universes. Mm, oh, that's such a, an interesting way of looking at it. Well, perhaps I'll take myself. Um, so I was, um, I was teaching, working in schools for five years um, in different parts of London. And um, I really loved being an English teacher, but I felt like I could get professional development for teaching English. You know, if I wanted to go on a course, subject enhancement course, I could do that. If I wanted to understand a bit more about the AQA specification, I could, you know, do that, become a marker. But actually, if um, I was dealing with some really heightened young people, I mean, emotionally heightened young people who were um, going through distress. Now I look back, I didn't necessarily know how to deal with that, especially in my first few years of teaching. Um, and I can remember, and, and that's important because England has a particularly young teaching profession. If you've read The Teacher Gap, Becky Allen, uh, that really um, enlightened me about just how young our profession is compared to other other countries' professions. Um, and as a young teacher, there were times when um, <clears throat> a young person would, would be disruptive, say something maybe, or... Um, or, and, and things could easily spiral. You know, they might spiral between students, but also they could spiral between me because it triggers such shame for you as a teacher if you feel publicly undermined. And you can think, oh God, is this me? Am I a terrible teacher? Are all the students not going to respect me? You know, um, and, and you can end up sort of using more sanctions to try and, and get the student to stop doing what they're doing um, or raising your voice. Uh, which I definitely did in the early part of my career. You know, nobody told me that maybe wasn't great. Uh, in fact, uh, there were quite a few people who told me about how to strategically sort of shout or or raise my voice. Um, and I can remember those things escalating. And, you know, and I, I remember I didn't do this. And And to be fair, this was part of what drove me to set up the difference. Because I lived with my sisters who were teenagers who had themselves suffered trauma and early... Uh, early real you know sad times and difficulties as children who get taken away into care do um i had a bit of insight into how to de-escalate a difficult situation um so even though i'm not saying that never happened in my classroom it definitely did um i was perhaps a bit a bit more fortunate than other teachers in having some of that insight but i remember one student who i did teach and i loved so much um such a brilliant character and the star of our Shakespeare in schools play. A different teacher um, stood in their way when they were particularly emotionally heightened and um, they they wanted to leave the classroom and that teacher stood in the doorway and they pushed that teacher. And then that student was excluded, permanently excluded from school. Um, and I think that's not how all exclusions happen at, by any means. But I do think that... Um, we can get caught up in the idea of the exclusion moment. But if we track back, there's often a lot of escalation. Um, and you're asking me, what would somebody do differently if they'd done the Difference Leadership Programme? Well, we are based on um, a few key principles. Uh, but one of our starting points is taking a rigorous approach 
to inclusion. So I think for too long, inclusion has been sort of thought of as like quite fluffy um, and uh, perhaps not very well known and thought of. So maybe it's just about getting send children involved in, um, you know, uh, the same things that other young people are involved in, or maybe it's just about SEND. But for us at The Difference, actually inclusion is about every child, is about understanding, all, all, you know, all, all young people's needs. Um, and it's about being able to um, provide the same rigorous approach that we do to teaching and learning. So an understanding of neurobiology, an understanding, you know, just like... Um, there's been a, a sort of evidence-led revolution in the last 10 years, uh, although give and take, there's some debate about um, the latest evidence on teaching and learning. But by and large, you know, teaching and learning has improved across the country, I think. And a lot of that is about great leadership and good professional development using evidence. Um, those two combined. So the leadership sets high expectations, uh, but then there's also high support in terms of good professional development uh, led by research. And at the Difference Leaders Programme and our mainstream programme, the Inclusive Leadership Course, uh, we are about trying to do exactly those two things. So use evidence-based practice based on an understanding of neuroscience uh, and also support leaders to set high expectations, including data expectations, and to read that data and to um, hold themselves and their teams to account. And an example is exclusions data or perhaps um, the numbers of young people getting asked to stand outside the door, uh, the numbers of young people and and the young people who are constantly and repeatedly in detention um, and actually using data to ask, is our intervention working? And if it's not working, why? Um, and then we provide specialist professional development on things like trauma-informed practice, understanding the neurobiology of emotions and trauma, um, contextual safeguarding, so understanding a lot more about, and we're understanding more about it just generally as a country now, uh, abuses that can happen to to particularly adolescents but not only adolescents outside the home um bias aware practice and an understanding of how bias affects our brain so these are these are some of the practices that we at the difference teach about um and i think if i were to go back now or if i was a difference leader and i was to go back into that situation now i think i would be able to depersonalize some of that behavior so much more so when a child walks in and tells me to f off in front of everybody else i might think twice knowing what i do about the data first of all knowing how um, common it is all of those statistics i said like detentions or um, getting moved out of the school being suspended persistent absenteeism those things are much more common for young people who experience um, interactions with social care because they're not safe and sometimes that lack of safety is in the home so it's domestic violence um, alcohol misuse and drug addiction or um or serious parental mental health problems but sometimes it's outside the home so we know more now about um sexual abuse and harmful behaviour between peers, um, about a criminal exploitation and, and the ways in which um, young people are being co-opted into criminal activities around drugs um, and drug running. Um, so lots of stressful things. Anyway, the patterns in the data show us that those children most likely to fall out of education in lots of ways are more vulnerable to safeguarding concerns. And I think if now that child were to walk into my room and tell me to F off, um, of course, I'd still feel um, ashamed and embarrassed and stressed in the instant. But I also would have a bit of awareness that, hey, wait a minute, this might not be about me. This might not be because I'm a terrible teacher. You know, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. Um, but, but actually, it may be about 
um, something that isn't about me. And rather than matching it with um, the same emotional intensity, there are strategies I can use to 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 just dial down the intensity in this interaction so it doesn't get worse so that young person doesn't end up pushing me for instance um and then we can come back to it and deal with it later um and actually some of the ways in which we can deal with it later can be about harm addressing harmful and abusive behaviors and this is another thing that the difference teaches about you know um is about how to fix relationships when they are broken and how to support young people to um, to face up to the outcomes of their actions because because that young person shouldn't tell me to F off and that does hurt me. And actually, they need to repair the damage in our relationship. But I think I would be much more skilled now and difference leaders definitely describe themselves as much more skilled at being able to um, to de, uh, bring down the, the temperature of difficult situations and conflicts with young people to support other staff to be able to do that, to repair relationships and therefore hold young people to account and to higher standards in terms of their behaviour because there's a real process for helping young people come to terms when they hurt and, and abuse others um, and actually to, to notice that behaviour and not do it um, and to, to make conscious choices. And then the really exciting thing is leadership skills in being able to see that play out in patterns. So see that your whole population, your whole year group, for instance, or your um, your whole key stage is actually having fewer um, times outside of lessons, missing much less learning, um, fewer um, potentially... Um, discriminatory uh, challenges between students being reported once you've been able to repair relationships and then and then set out a strategy that notices and deals with your patterns across your pupil cohorts. So I think um, that that leadership rigour and accountability and then that evidence-led practice led by understanding brain development are the two things that we we hope people are going to carry into their their work and excitingly some of them are um, which feels pretty electric and cool. Yeah, well, what I I would really wanted to pick up on from what you said, Kieran, there, which was really fascinating, was two things. Firstly, how high expectations aren't mutually exclusive to um, being able to understand where some of this difficult behaviour is coming from. Because I think, you know, what you said there was completely right. Often the inclusive agenda is made to sound really soft and weak and like you're making excuses for kids all the time, which is actually really... It's such a shame. It's one of the things that we really try and contest when we're on the farm because we think we get these kids to do more than they've done. And they tell us more than they've done a lot in school. Um, it's not because we're soft, but it's because we work alongside them, we get them and we um, push them on and ho- hopefully get them to do great things and really challenge themselves. Um, but the other thing I, w- I really wanted to pick up on was just what you were referring to there around this level of self-awareness that um, to be an effective teacher, particularly when you're dealing with challenging behaviour, um, how you need to kind of make sure that you know yourself when you're de-escalating some of those situations. Um, and linking in with what you said about um, the te- our teacher workforce being quite young. And it's quite interesting that because actually when you're young, you don't necessarily know yourself as much. And, and you're actually, um, you know, you don't know your faults often. And one of those, the faults that, that you probably don't understand quite that well was is when you yourself are you know triggered in that it's an, it's an ugly word but it is essentially what it is when you're heightened emotionally and when you're not able to react in the way that you should um and it, and actually i just think that making teachers a bit more aware of that will aid them in being responsible for that and just will help the situation and for, for so many of those kids so i am really delighted that you are fighting that fight and um 
and kind of carrying that message into all these different um, schools through your leaders, but also for you through your training program. It's fantastic. But I was wondering, you know, if we look at, at some of those different leaders, um, you know, they are a diverse group. I've met them. They're a great group of people. Um, but I suppose one of the things that I was interested in, what you feel unites them, you know, what, what is it that particularly after the programme really unites them in terms of how they work with some of these young people who are particularly vulnerable? Mm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you recognise that they are a diverse group because we're really proud of that. We'd set out wanting to find the best teachers to lead with these young people, but also very clear that, that the best do- isn't homogenous. Um, and we're really proud that our selection process finds the best people who have all sorts of prior experiences before they join the Difference Leadership Programme. All of them become senior leaders, but some of them are, um, are much older and have had different careers. Um, some of them may be a bit younger and earlier in their careers um, and bringing really rich insights from um yeah, from the different types of schools that they've worked in before they join the Difference Leaders Programme, um, from the different um, cultural backgrounds, parts of the country, um, heritages and parts of the world that they come from and insights into, um, yeah, into the experiences of some of the young people that um, they might be teaching that might go along those lines. And they yeah they're a very varied bunch but actually every time we so we do our residential every year at Jamie's farm and every time people meet one another they say I can't believe I'm in a room of so many like-minded people and we're all so different but we're all so similar in some really key ways and I think what makes our leaders special um, is a few different things I think a real commitment to social justice and I actually think that's shared by most teachers. I think most teachers go into the profession because they care about young people and they want to make the world a better place. And they particularly care um, about making sure that young people who might get disadvantaged at different times in their lives don't have that disadvantage play out in school and still get where they want to go, still feel good about themselves um, through being at school. And what we hear when we go away to Jamie's farm, we get quite confessional and get to know each other because uh, the more you trust each other, um, actually, the better you can regulate each other, the better you can say, oh, God, I really lost my rag. Help me to one another. Or, um, you know, what shall I do about this? Um, so, it, you know, relationships can help us regulate our emotions. They are very self-aware, actually, and that is a feature that they are willing to talk about how maybe they've lost their they've lost some of that social justice impetus which brought them into the profession. And they feel as though the job that they've been doing most recently hasn't been necessarily tied to that social justice mission in the way that they wanted it to be. Um, And that maybe some of the young people that they work with don't. Uh, go on to do what they want to do or love themselves and enjoy being at school and part of the reason they're coming to the difference is because they want to lead with a difference they want to think about how to do that slightly differently Um, but I also have got the privilege and this is the case not just in the difference leaders program but in the mainstream inclusive leadership course of working with leaders who have a real internalized locus of control and I think that's so important it doesn't mean that you're responsible for everything But it means that when you look at a situation, you can reframe it and say, well, what can I do here? And I think that's so important for leaders to be able to um, to diagnose where they're going to have the most impact and to feel 
to be able to reframe complex and difficult and exhausting situations with some agency and some control that you can bring to the situation. And that's what's seen them do incredible things in some of our partner people referral units, you know, really um, work with some amazing colleagues and shift outcomes for young people. So young people who other schools said they couldn't work with. And actually, when they've been working um, with our difference leaders and their teams, getting some amazing GCSE outcomes, potentially, uh, maybe reintegration back into mainstream school, um, careers beyond school. So not necessarily going to A-levels and college, but actually finding jobs that they really love and thriving in those jobs. Um, So some of those outcomes come through, I think, difference leads, having that internalised locus of control, which I think is really important. Um, And then an, an ability and a, a humility to think about our own emotional states, to think about um, our own biases, um, because there's no shame in having emotions. There's no shame in having biases. It turns out that's how our brains are built. Um, so once you understand that, being willing to check yourself and think, oh, wait, actually, I don't want to say that or I don't want to do that or I shouldn't have done that and I'm going to apologise to that student or I'm going to model that to my staff members and actually I'm going to create safe spaces with my staff teams. So one of the things we teach about is um, a theory of of mind and a theory of emotion um, which then lots of difference leaders use in their in their line management of other staff um, and we've got I think three different difference leaders who are head teachers at the moment um, who are doing this whole school is creating spaces compassionate spaces for their staff to talk about what's going on for them the pandemic has been horrible for lots of people and their mental health and their families um, and actually having a space where you feel like you can bring your whole self to work you can um, process how you're feeling and then you can put it to the side so that then you can be emotionally available for the young people that you're with. And if you get really um, stressed, angry, sad with a young person who is, is for whatever reason, pushing buttons for you, there's no shame in saying, oh, actually, sir, miss, um, can we change face here? I'm going to tap out. Can you tap in? Because that's an effective strategy that de-escalates the situation. Um, so those are some things that, that they have in common with each yeah. other. Social well, justice, think- humility and an ability to, to be self-reflective. Um, and yeah, a, a feeling that I, I can do this. I, I'm, yeah. I can make the difference, be the difference. Yeah, well, I love all of them, I must say. And they are obviously linked. But yeah, a sense... You know, the combination of, of taking responsibility and sensing that you can take responsibility, but also are humble enough to know when and self-aware enough to know when actually it's not a good idea uh, to, to do X, Y and Z. Yeah, I, I think it's really good stuff. And um, certainly when I was teaching, I wish I had a bit more of, a, of all of those things. And actually, I'm very interested in what you said about line management. You know, because we all know that people are more likely as adults to have heightened states if their well-being isn't looked after and if they're not feeling good and if they're not feeling happy at work. And if they are being managed better, then that's much less likely to happen. Um, But I'm not sure there's that previously anyway, not a huge amount of support that leaders in schools have got over the years in terms of managing people. And there's not that much time made for it often. In, a, in, in amongst an incredibly busy schedule for teachers and a hell of a lot of stress. 
you know so it's not a surprise that some of these situations happen and you know i'm just really delighted that you are doing what you're doing trying to do something about it to be honest and that's why leaders are so important because they set the agenda you know they decide what are we going to spend our professional development days on this year and actually where are we going to say these are our top three priorities as a school this year and that's where lots of our difference leaders who aspire to headship that's why they're keen to do that because once you get there you can build a school according to your priorities. And if you want to say there is so much going on in the day, but you know what? We're going to put that to one side and we're going to put this as our priority. We're going to spend time on line management or we're going to spend time on um, creating uh, debriefing opportunities for staff who deal with really uh, challenging behaviour or really traumatic and, and upsetting student disclosures or um, safeguarding concerns. We're going to prioritise that because we believe it's good for you as a staff and it's good for the students and it leads to everybody being able to spend more time and energy learning and less time and energy feeling anxious, angry, sad uh, and getting into conflict with each other. As a, as a head, you can make those choices, which is, I think, one of the really exciting things about getting to work with, with leaders at that level. Yeah, no, fair enough. You're creating the right culture, aren't you? Which, which you know, obviously we all as individuals need to be trying to, you know, have the right attitude and behaviours within our workplaces. But if you're within the right cultural context, it's much easier to do that, isn't it? So, um, yeah, that's great. Well, it's been a really, really good discussion. Um, and yeah, I feel I've left it kind of feeling very inspired by everything that you've said and just really happy that, that you are taking that torch and, and, and spreading the word about it. Because actually, um, with, with a lot of charities, um, you have a beneficiary group. And some of what you do, to be honest, is just to speak up for that group and to advocate for them. And to and to uh, you know fly the flag for them and say no actually this group does need attention and does need financial support and does need um, a bit of care to be honest to get them to where they should be and you're doing that on behalf of excluded kids as well as those at, at risk of exclusion and um, yeah I'm, I'm I'm really pleased that you are um, I suppose one last question if you have uh, you've only got one minute for this but if you had the opportunity you know. Uh, if you had just a piece of paper and you were remodelling the whole education sector on behalf of that beneficiary group, um, what would you do? Bit of blue sky thinking, what would you do in one minute? That's so difficult. Um, I think one of the things I would do is make uh, young people who are experiencing difficulties more visible in our schools. I think... We are aware as teachers of children with special educational needs. We're aware of children who are um, living in poverty, who are eligible for pupil premium. We're not aware of children who have safeguarding concerns. And so we're, um, we, we can be guilty sometimes of thinking that's a tiny group. But actually, 10% of children have had a social worker. And if you work as I did in some of the most deprived wards in the country, that can go up to as high as one in three um, so we're talking young people who've experienced some really shocking and frightening things that we hope never to experience and that our children won't experience, but that do happen. Um, that loss um, and, and abuse and very hard things. And I would make those young people more visible in the school system. I would, and I would also give them funding that is for 
um, particular inputs for them to thrive at school. So there have been some interesting studies like social workers in schools that show that when you do that, it can um, improve the, the confidence of teachers and the multi-agency working and outcomes for those young people. Um, and I also believe that about the differences uh, inclu- inclusive leadership practices. Um, so I would I would make those children more visible and I would probably allow um, initial teachers much more time to learn about neurobiology about the neurobiology of emotion and of bias um, so that there isn't shame around how our brains work, but there's a self-awareness about how our brains work so that we can be great teachers, but also we can understand the brains of our children, not just in terms of their cognitive load uh, and their memory, but actually in terms of how their emotions work because they're humans and that impacts their learning. Um, Great. No, no, that's it. That's it. No more. You've got two, you've had two (laughs) minutes, Um, but there are two excellent things. Two excellent things and actually quite simple ones to affect if, if we were honest. And I, I hope we get there quite quickly because I think a lot of kids would be saved as a result of that. And um, particularly the teacher training point, I think that a lot of teachers come through their training without any idea about any of that. Certainly I did. A huge amount focused on subject knowledge when actually most people going into the profession, that isn't really the issue. You know, the issue isn't creating beautiful PowerPoints and lesson planning, to be honest, a lot of the time. It's meeting kids, building those relationships and supporting them in the, work, in the best way possible so that they can learn. That's great. Kieran, thank you so much. That was, uh, it was really great. It was so much fun. Yeah, and... Um, me. No, you are, uh, yeah, you are a real leader making a difference yourself. I'm sure that's not the first time you've been, you've been told that. <laughs> but you're, you've been team, fantastic. It's my team and my community of leaders. I, I, I don't think that's fair. I said we weren't recording today, but, um, you know... Who, who am I really? Um, I'm, a, I'm a former teacher and a policy researcher. and I, um, But I, I have been able to do this work because I've met some amazing leaders in schools. And all, all I do is, is shout out about the work that they do and the young people that they work with, whose lives are changed because of, uh, because of their work. So, yeah, shout but out to them. In and of itself, that shouting out to them is really important. So well done, well done to you for doing that.